Welcome to the Parenting Well podcast with Parent Engagement Network. I'm Dr. Shelley Mann, your host, and today you're listening to Parenting Well, where we know that parenting well is challenging and that all parents are the best parents they know how to be. We firmly believe that the foundation for raising healthy, happy youth is for us as parents to fill our own well with useful, reliable, credible information, tools, and strategies. This leaves us more engaged, educated, and empowered to support our children in being strong, resourceful, confident, and resilient in the face of life's many challenges and adventures. So let's fill that well. Today's well source is Brandon Slade. Brandon is the founder of Untapped Learning. Brandon's struggle with academics growing up caused him to have an overwhelming experience in college. After getting diagnosed with ADHD, He began to figure out ways to implement habits, routines, and learning strategies that enabled him to succeed as a student. Even after his academic setbacks, Brandon has made it his mission to figure out how the ADHD brain works, now helping other students with executive functioning challenges discipline their gifts at Untapped Learning. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of you and Penn, and I know we've collaborated a lot, and it's pretty awesome to be here. Yeah. Pleasure to talk with you. And and why don't we start by you just sharing a little bit, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and what your journey has been and how you learned to navigate the world. Yeah. So, I mean, really basic, you know, I always tell people growing up school is hard, um, but I was fortunate enough to have the best type of ADHD. So I have the hyperactive hype where in elementary school, I was flipping desks and jumping on chairs and I got attention, right? So um, we knew early age that I was very hyperactive ADHD and, and had a lot of energy. But the reason I say it's the best kind is because I meet so many kids who have the inattentive type and they're so intelligent and so sweet and so polite and it goes unnoticed for a long time. So I was fortunate enough not to have that route and um, get some services at, at, at a young age, but struggled in middle school and high school and um, was fortunate enough to go out to Ohio on a football scholarship and basically bombed my first semester to year of college and really had to figure out how to manage my academic life with my social life with um, athletics and everything that comes along with having ADHD where so many of our kids struggle. So again, I was fortunate enough to have mentors kind of show me the ropes and show me how to do college. They would say things like, why don't you go talk to your professor? And I would say, I didn't know you could do that type of stuff. So um, learning, really learning how to do college and do school and and just 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 function at a high level with, with this brain. So that's my academic career. Um, and I can go into professional if you want that as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Share with us how that evolved for you. Yeah. So I, uh, after, after, after college, um, got a master's in special education from Arizona state. And then, um, I got a school psychology degree from university of Colorado, Denver. While I was doing all that, I was teaching special education and really working with a lot of these kids with ADHD, dyslexia, anxiety, depression, kids who I knew had something really special inside them, but couldn't demonstrate it in the classroom or they just struggled academically. And I didn't have the term for it yet. And I started to kind of stumble across this executive function work and taught special education for a total of 12 years, mostly in Boulder Valley School District. And while I was doing that, uh, I just decided to go get a little piece of turf from the Home Depot and thought I'd throw the football with a few kids while learning Spanish, a few hyperactive kids, because there was nowhere for us to go. And a few years later, we're working with about 300 kids, colleges across the country, really helping with this executive function thing. So through mentorships, accountability, teaching people how to organize their life so they can so they can access the gifts of being neurodiverse. That's wonderful. You know, it strikes me that all of these transitions we're talking about are challenging for everybody, right? And then when you add another thing on top of that, 
then it just makes it that much more challenging. And so to be able to have mentors and to be able to learn strategies and find a place where you fit and you can learn and you can be empowered is so wonderful. So that's what you provide then at the um, organization, the untapped learning that you run. Yeah. So um, first of all, that's a great way to say that we do really well with structure. You know, I, I speak a lot with ADHD, but I'm just talking executive function challenges in general. We do so well structure, which is why we fight structure nonstop when our parents try to implement it and our teachers. But we do really well with that. So um, at Untapped, we work with middle school, high school, and college students. A lot of them are in that transitionary phase, but even not, it's just it's just helping them really organize their lives to a way that they have more freedom. We do everything through the Navy SEAL mindset, discipline equals freedom. And if you're disciplined, and you have routines and you hit your homework routine every night, or if I put my keys in the same bowl every night, well, then I'm not running around like crazy blaming everyone because I messed up and my anxiety is much lower. So um, help them really, really implement these routines and these disciplines so they do have much more free time. Yeah. And you've said before that it can be a real blocker for people, but it doesn't have to be. And it sounds like those kinds of strategies are the things that you help people put in place so that it isn't a blocker. I mean, I mean, hopefully, again, we know, let, let's say it's a college student, we know, if we can get them to go to office hours on their own time, and they have ADHD, we know that 30 minutes with the professor will save them an hour and a half to two hours on the back end. By the time they figure out what to do, initiate the task, maintain attention, and really follow through on the entire thing. We're trying to find ways to make our kids' lives easier so they actually can enjoy college or enjoy high school and not be in this constant battle with either themselves or their parents or, or people around them. When you're sharing about all the different things that kids can do, and I know this is a really hard question, but is there one single like golden nugget, best piece of advice that you would give to parents? The easy answer would be routines, right? So figure out and we have to go slow to go fast. So if we try to do too much at once, nothing works. But we got to find where that one fire is and then develop a routine with a ton of positive reinforcement to put out that fire. Um, so example, I always get out the door late in the morning. I'm late to everything, always falling behind. But until I, until I started laying out my clothes, I have a bowl called my landing pad and my wallet keys and my phone land in there when I get home. The morning I just scoop it up and that's my launching pad. Um, once I figured that out and I started to realize that if I got out the door late in the morning, that's because I messed up the night before, well, my anxiety dipped the rest of the day. So figure out where that one big fire is and then try to put it out with a routine. And again, we, we respond really well to positive reinforcement. So two pats on the back, one kick in the tail. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I love that. So as kids are learning these things, I feel like there's probably a developmental component as well, right? So how you Absolutely. work with young children versus how you work with a college kid is probably very different. And so there's kind of two pieces to my question. How do you see that? How is that different? And also, do you feel like it gets worse or better over time for people who maybe are identified early and, and have lots of time to deal with this and learn strategies? What have you seen? That's a great question. So. I guess, first of all, our frontal lobe is about three to five years behind where the quote unquote neurotypical kid is. And I, I use that term loosely, but this has nothing to do with intelligence. But I know you and I see it all the time where you have these people who look like grown men and women, but that frontal lobe, even if they're 18, still may be at a 15 year old level. So um, it's kind of good to have that methodology, gives us some patience, and some empathy for our kids. But, you know, in that very early stage, when we're talking about those routines, 
we want to really just start to kind of introduce the topic. Now, we, we may not talk about a whole lot, but have very clear routines before we go to bed. These three things happen. Maybe we say it out loud and write it on the bathroom mirror because we know if we give kids things through two modalities, it's much more likely to sink in. So really just kind of start to understand this topic here. Um, and then when they get older, we can, you know, double down on that a little bit more. But to answer your question, I've heard different stats, but I think it's between 60 and 80% of untreated ADHD eventually develops into some kind of severe anxiety disorder because we're always running behind. Something's always on fire. When we start to internalize, we're lazy, we're um, not smart and all these other things. So we see a huge correlation between untreated ADHD and anxiety. So yeah, I mean, I mean, combination of the two things, we just want to give our kids interventions and help and support as much as possible and let them know there's nothing wrong with them. They just function different. Right. That's so important. And you've already kind of gone into a little bit about what the ADHD brain looks like by talking about the frontal lobe. Is there anything else you would share about, like, how does the brain work differently? That's a very, very long question. Um, uh, I, could go, I, I go a million ways on that. I, I guess one of the things that I always touch on is, so our, our frontal lobe has lower than typical amounts of dopamine, right? And so to make this really basic, what it means is if there's a task that we don't find very exciting, let's say a math worksheet, we are twice as hesitant or it's twice as challenging for us to really initiate and start that task. So super. However, you hear this all the time. One of the gifts of ADHD or some kind of executive function challenge growing up is the ability to hyper-focus. So when we get into something, we get into it twice as deep. And again, this is just all due to dopamine levels. Now we can regulate this. There's medication. There's also a great thing we always talk about is exercise. 15 minutes of intense exercise per day is comparable to some ADHD medications, stimulants, and mm. um, we're seeing attention, learning, memory, and retention just improve drastically through getting that natural dopamine through exercise and sleep and kind of the necessities in life. You know, you bring up a really important point, and that is the conversation around medication. Um, and that is something that I've heard a lot of parents struggle with, identifying if their child truly has ADHD, and then deciding after that, when is the point at which you choose to try medication? And are there times when you wouldn't? Do you have opinions about that? Such a personal family decision. And everyone, you know, it's like politics or religion or something. Like everyone has a very, very fire, <laughs> fiery view on this thing. Yeah. What I would say, what I would say about it is I think we have about close to 300 kids in our program right now. And it's pretty close to 50-50 medicated and non-medicated. If you decide to not do the medication route, you do have to be super disciplined with a lot of these routines and exercise and things like that. You really have to build out your life. It can be done. And there's been times where I've been medicated, not medicated, but you just have to be really disciplined there. The medication piece, if you are going to do the medication piece, a lot of people think it's this magic pill. And just because you can focus or it improves your focus slightly, it doesn't mean you have you know how to build out your life organization. It doesn't mean you know how to study. It doesn't mean you know how to organize your thoughts and write a research paper. So you still have to put in the work. And I think that's where a lot of families, um, a, a, a huge misconception with medication is. That's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And parents can, of course, do some of the research and, and try different things. Like you said, an important personal decision. Um, yeah. And, what, and, and, and we'll, 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 one last thing on that. We always give the yeah. antidepressant. We always give the antidepressant um, analogy, right? They, just because you take an antidepressant for the first time doesn't mean your relationships are fixed. It's, right. a, it, it's, it's this huge misconception we have in ADHD. It's like, yeah, I'm going to put my kid on medication. Everything's going to get better. We still have to give them a reminder system, teach them how to advocate to their teacher, have a calendaring system, have, you know, we still have to do all this stuff 
we still have to put in the work here. It's just, it's a start. It's a tool. That's great. With the work that you're doing and the work that schools are doing, how do you feel like you work together to help children who are are struggling? Well, being a former special education teacher, just just the reality of the job is so challenging, right? But I have 15 to 20 kids with ADHD walk into my class seventh period, and it would be very, very hard, right? So one of the huge advantages we have is we do all this work one-to-one for you know, in between one to three hours per week, depending on the kid and depending on where they're at in their academic career. So that's already a huge advantage where you can really give that accountability. You know, we do try to collaborate with schools. Like we just trained um, the School of Minds on how to like set up their online portals and, and, and in a way that makes sense to our kids and find everything in one spot. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much crossover. The big thing we're seeing is that about 10 years ago, let me take that, about five years ago, something switched in schools from being working memory-based Meaning I give you all the facts and then Friday on the test, I speak those facts back to you. So working memories based, we switched more project based, which is a great thing. That's how life works. However, it's really hard for a lot of our kids because they don't know how to break that into small pieces. They don't have accountability along the way. So that's something we come in as well and really kind of help with that. So what you do when you're working with the kids at Untapped Learning, you're helping them. You're you're sort of an intermediate, right? You're helping them take what they're getting at school, talking to them about how it's going, giving them strategies. Is that how that works? Yeah. So typically with executive function work, there's a planning component, meaning depending on the age of the kid, we'll go through their infinite campus, Google Classroom, Schoology, if they're in middle school or high school, and help them build out a list for the week. And um, so breaking these large things into small components and we'll text and we'll hold all kids accountable. If they don't take care of business, we'll hold them for extra tutoring. And we do a lot of that planning and organization piece. And the other side of it too is a lot of people think if you have an executive function deficit, well, your calendar's disorganized, your room, your locker's disorganized. That's true, but also our thoughts are disorganized. So we teach our kids on the academic side um, how to organize their papers, meaning how to outline them, how to organize their presentations. And we know when we work with kids, if we can create a PowerPoint or a Google Slides and title the top of every slide, well, then our kids are working downhill. They know exactly what to do and where to put stuff. And, you know, the typical kid with executive function challenges is very, very bright. They, and they know what to do. They should help organizing that knowledge. So it's a mixture of planning, organization, and then academic help. I kind of want to hire you to help me organize my thoughts. <laughs> people say people will sometimes say that, and again, I'm I'm such a work in progress, right? Like I've yeah. wrecked my life so many times, whether it's through college or beyond. And you know, there, there's a lot of hard lessons, and we're trying to speed that up for kids. But I know I still have people and mentors in my life who hold me accountable when I start to stray. And so, whether it's an executive function coach or not, a lot of our kids really respect coaches and people in that mentorship role who they just take it better from their parents. And I, I, I have a daughter and yeah. that's, it, it's just the nature of the beast. You know, there's something, there's a component to this that I think is related that I'd love it if you could share some of your thoughts about. And that is that kids who are struggling and especially children who, who are disrupting the classroom, right. By jumping over desks and doing things that are, you know, teachers get frustrated can receive a lot of discipline in the classroom that could affect them and how they feel about themselves. Right. So I'm wondering what you would say about how do you help a child who is starting to have problems in how they feel about themselves, you know, lower confidence, feeling insecure about things, feeling like they're just always in trouble, whatever it looks like. How do you help them with that? Is that part of what you do? Because I feel like it's very related. 
that you start to say to yourself things that other people are saying to you? It's such a great question. And I know growing up when I used to see a therapist, so this therapist would ask me about my inadequacies, not in those words, but like due to having ADHD. But then they also would try to hold me accountable for not doing my math homework. And the relationship was just weird and it didn't make sense to me, right? So what we do as, as coaches and mentors, we do that accountability. We help our kids from the bottom up. We help them be more productive. Two pats in the back, one kick in the tail, right? And then we refer out to a therapist for that type of work because that's super important to get that mental health work. And again, if that's not in the budget or whatever reason, there's other things we can do. Um, but yeah, uh, we we purposely take the take the role of coaches here and not necessarily the mental health piece. Um, some of those other things you can do, you know, the typical kid with ADHD gets 10,000 more negative reinforcements than positive reinforcements by the age of 10. And then it goes up exponentially from there. So it's, there's, there's a reason we start to turn off and, and you know, become kind of angry at the world. So positive reinforcement is a great thing. Um, enrolling our kids, doubling down on what they're good at, whether it's arts, music, some of your kids are so creative, sports, athletics, really doubling down on that and giving them a place where they can feel successful does have a lot of payback academically later on. I was going to ask you to share, like, what are good, you know, two to four strategies that you would say parents would want to implement in their homes right now? And you have shared the thing about <laughs> routines and structure, um, finding the thing that's kind of setting everything on fire and working on that first. Are, are there a couple others that you would say are just really important things to be considering when you have a child that has these kinds of needs? Yeah, I mean, it, as always, you want to look where that fire is, but some really common fires we see is getting out the door on time. So teaching them the value of a nighttime routine, setting themselves up for success. Um, exercise and movement is so huge, except especially for our middle schoolers and high schoolers, they just really start to turn off from that. So having some kind of movement, and again, we don't need to be complicated here. It can be, it can be, you know, walking the dog, it can be to the mailbox and back. The exact research says 15 minutes, getting your heart rate above, uh, up above 75%. Um, basically 15 minutes of movement per day is, is huge payback. So having some kind of um, routine around exercise or movement, a routine around exercise, excuse me, a routine around sleep is essential. We have a lot of sleep disruptions and I could talk about that for a long time, but just building in some type of routine where, you know, screens go off at a certain time. Um, and there's some before bed, we do the same thing every night. This starts to trigger, you know, trigger those melatonin responses and things like that. And then um, the last one is just an academic routine. Obviously yeah. life happens, but if we can have a space built out for academics, do it as much as possible, same time, same place. I know life is crazy and that rarely happens, but when we get to the same time, same place and use that for academics and academics only, we see again, attention, learning, memory, um, everything just skyrockets. And so um, having an academic routine has shown to be very helpful as well. So one of the things I like to ask people is as parents or people who work with young people on a regular basis, how do our kids need us to show up for them? Like what are the key components of how an important adult shows up for the, the children they're around? It's a hard question. That's something I know I have a lot of work to do on myself, both as a parent and um, a, a, as a mentor. Just a quick mindset on something like this is the World Jobs Report just came out uh, about a year ago. And if you were to look at that, the jobs report from like 1980, 1990, you know, 20, 30 years ago and before, what we'd see is that the most sought after skills are ability to follow tasks repeatedly, follow directions at a high level, things like that. 
Well, now we look at the jobs important. Anything that can be automated will be automated. So by 2025, employers are going to look for people who look at problems differently, people whose brains work differently, and they and they can be incredibly creative. And you just see creativity in, in different types of problem solving over and over and over. So I like to give that response to show that some of these neurodiverse kids who drive us nuts really will probably be some of the most essential people in our society and most sought after people. So having that mindset when days get really long and really hard, and these kids are so hard, I've, as a lot of our parents have seen a lot of value in, in, in that mindset. Um, and then the second piece is self-care. Our kids are really hard and we need to make sure that we take care of ourselves. So whether that's yoga, whether that's a friend group, whether that's reading, um, you know, building out time for yourself when you have a challenging um, kid is, is one of the most essential things we can do. It, it, it comes back tenfold. Yeah, pretty hard to show up for somebody else when you're not showing up for yourself. <laughs> and right? teenagers, teenagers over and over and over, they watch what we do and not listen to what we say. Right. Yeah. So um, if we're asking them to get movement and we're not getting movement in ourselves or sleep or some kind of other component, well, they're going to remind us of that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to highlight because I think it's extraordinary that you were chosen as one of Colorado's Titan 100s this year, which is a, a <laughs> prestigious um, award to get because you're recognized as a important Colorado business. And in your case, a business that has given a lot of time and energy to serve families. And I know what goes into that. Can you share a little bit with us about what that Colorado Titan 100 was like for you? I mean, yeah, it was just, uh, it's, it's super nice to be recognized for stuff. You know, it's, uh, it's not why we do it, but, but it definitely feels good. And so we're starting to get to the point where we're helping the number of kids that we'd like to help. And we have a long way to go to make sure we show up the best for our kids and give the best possible services. But yeah, it's, it's always, it's always nice to feel like you're doing something and, you know, and you're doing something to help the world. Well, congratulations. I was very excited when I saw that. Is there anything else that you want to leave parents with today? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is you know, we just talked about, it, but just, just really emphasizing that self-care. You know, we always, I know at least in my community, we're always in groups of parents who talk about how great their kids are doing it. Sometimes our kids struggle at this point in their life. And as parents, we start to internalize that. And some of the best parents I've ever seen and, and ever met and ever worked with have, have the most challenging kids. And um, yeah. having that self-care component is essential because we want to play the long game with our kids. Um, and we got to let them make their own mistakes. And we got to know that they have to know that we are still there for them. I was struck by when you said um, that we have to have empathy, you know, we have to have empathy for them. And I think that that, that place where we get really frustrated and we're dealing with everything we're dealing with in our own life and we're already, maybe something happened to us at work or maybe, you know, whatever, yeah, um, being able to show up and have empathy and, and really be present with our kids is so important. So thanks for sharing that. That was a, that was something that I took away from our conversation. And keep in mind, kid, school isn't made for our kids, right? School is not made for our kids. Now, we don't make excuses. It is what it is. We, I can sit here all day and say, this is unfair. This is unfair. This is fair. We don't make excuses because we know if we can reverse engineer and make a system that doesn't work, if we can figure a way to make that work for us, well, there's not a whole lot we can't do in this world. And that's why you see 60 to 80% of our entrepreneurs have ADHD and all these people, some of the street smart people I've ever met who are just crushing their fields have dyslexia because if you can get through K through 12 without having to read out loud, if you figure out a way around that, well, you, you figure out a lot. So um, we don't make excuses, but, but we do have to, as adults, understand for our kids that 
it's a really hard system that's working against them. And there, there's a reason they come home and pop down. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for this conversation. I know that there are a lot of parents that are going to benefit from the things that you shared today. Before we go, do you want to share anything about how people can get a hold of you? Yeah, if you go to untappedlearning.com or my personal email, because sometimes there are some personal questions, is B-S-L-A-D-E, bslade at untappedlearning.com. Um, don't, don't, don't hesitate to reach out. Great. Thank you. And I'll put information in the show notes as well. So before we go, I want to put a a thank you out there for one of our big sponsors, Premier Members Credit Union. Uh, They have been a very generous supporter of the Parent Engagement Network for some time now. And also, I invite you to go to our website and check out what's going on at Penn this year. Um, Brandon himself has been doing some work with Penn and providing some classes and supporting parents um, through our organization. So thank you for that. And also Penn has celebrated their 20th anniversary. So 20 years of serving families and it's really exciting. So if you go to the website, there's lots of opportunities to make a donation. If you're inspired by today's conversation, I really encourage you to do that. You can also become a sponsor or just reach out to us with any questions you might have. So I hope today's conversation has been really valuable to you and that that it has filled your parenting well. And until next time, happy parenting. Thanks for being here.